0: Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is September 27th, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is higher ways. And that is not highways, but higher ways. And so with that, have you ever thought, or maybe even cried out, that's not fair? Do you know people that have cried out, that's not fair? Do you feel unsatisfied when people are not getting what they deserve? You know, the ways of the kingdom are not the ways of the world. The kingdom ways are always more than the world. And so with that, we're going to look at higher ways. We're we'll going to look at our first scripture and we will look at part of our first scripture. Uh, it's Isaiah 55 and we will eventually look at verses six through nine. But for right now, I just want to look at the last verse, verse nine it says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And this is the Lord speaking. And of course, he says, my ways are higher than your ways. The ways of God are higher ways. And that is our word for the day. And that's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk about fairness. That's not fair. How does that dig in with higher ways? Well, you know, the world doesn't think like God thinks. God's ways are higher and his thoughts are different than our thoughts. And we have thinking issues And this has been a topic that many times we've talked about, we've gone over, we've discussed. And we're going to go over it some more with our word today. And so with that, let's get into the scripture verse we need to be in, which is Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. It reads, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And when he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. And again, he went out in the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those who came who were hired about the eleventh hour, and they each received a denarius. But when the first ones came, they supposed that they would receive more and they likewise received a denarius. And when they received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, am I am, I am doing you no wrong. Do you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is a parable that Jesus was using to teach. And there are many times when you hear this that we get into the idea of people comparing themselves with others. And some things I want to point out with this, and I'm going to be very blunt with, I guess, a a sensitive topic, but there have been people that have been Christians for 10, 20, 30 years, and they've been very, you know, they, they love God, they've been very diligent to make sure they're always in church, they're always available, they always serve, they're always doing things. And over time, they've allowed religious thought to begin to cover their minds. And they begin to think in a spirit of religion, which is the same as the spirit of the world. They, they, they view life and they view religion in the same way as their work. That, that, that time should be put in the com, com, com equation, excuse me, their equation of fairness. But the kingdom doesn't center on time. Eternity is outside of time. God is outside of time. Someday when we stand before God in heaven, we will be outside of time. In eternity, there is no beginning. There is no end. It just is forever. Because it is the place where God dwells and God is eternal. There is no time. There's no yesterday. There's no tomorrow. There just is. And that's a very hard concept For you and I to understand. There have been many people I know. That they go oh I understand it. I understand it. And then they turn right around. And they say something that denies the very concept. Because our finite minds. Can't grasp that. We think of things on a linear timetable. We don't get that. That's why we have a hard time. Thinking about death. And well these people died before so and so. And Listen in eternity there's no time. There is no time. There's no one that was before anyone. Because it's eternity. That's just eternity. And because of that, the idea, when you stand for God, you won't be going, I wasted time. You'll be thinking, I wasted life. Because there's no time to waste in eternity. But there is a life to be wasted. Likewise, in this parable, it is about people and life. It's not about time, and it's not about works. See, the kingdom is centering and here it's really about wages that's rewards see the judgment seat's always about rewards you got two judgment seats you got the, the great throne judgment which is you get judged for your sin this is the wages of sin is death and so the unbeliever stands before god and he's going to be paid wages this is what you earned on earth you sinned you lived in sin you rebelled your wage of your sin is death and that's what hell like a fire that's what that's about that's you you've earned that that's your wage you're going to get paid exactly what you've earned for a christian who's been covered by the blood of jesus and we stand before him in judgment there's no sin because sin has been paid that wage has been paid by christ So when we stand, the wage that is earned is the wage that Christ has earned. That's why we are co-heirs. Jesus shares what he has earned with us. Jesus has earned it all, and he now shares that with you and I. That's why we receive crown revelation. It talks about us receiving crowns, and then we just cast the crowns back at his feet because he's so worthy. We didn't earn anything. He earned everything. And yet he still gives to us. He shares with us. And so I know a little bit of a sidetrack, but we need to understand this because here the focus is all about that denarii. That's not fair. That's not fair that I worked all day long and these guys only worked an hour get the same pay. There are most people in churches that if you were to tell this story and not tell them it's a parable and you change the words around a little bit, make it sound, you know, two people going and they're working at the grocery store or the Walmart or something down the street, they would, people in congregation, that's not fair. That's not fair. Even today, it's sort of not legal to share what you make with other employees. Now, if you've got a union job or something that's government or nonprofit, some of that stuff is by law required to be open books. But in a lot of places, you're not allowed to know what the employees next to you are working. Because if you knew, you'd be screaming, that's not fair, or they'd be screaming, that's not fair. And it would be a bad work environment. But let's get into this paragraph and talk about why is that? Why is that? Worldly thinking. Well, think about this. The 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 Lord, he's the master. He's representing the master. He goes and he finds the worker. He's standing around. He needs a job. He needs a purpose in life. And he goes, I would like for you to come work in my vineyard. I will pay you a denarius a day. And the worker goes, oh, that's great. I'll take it. So he takes his denarius. He now has a job. He now has purpose. He's working the, the master's vineyard. That's his purpose now, to work this vineyard. And then he goes three hours later, there's still someone standing around. He offers them a job. And then the sixth hour, and then he comes to the eleventh hour. You gotta understand the eleventh hour. And he goes, Why are you still standing here? You're lazy? And they're like, no, 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 one wants us. See, the people in that eleventh hour, these are the ones that nobody wants. Nobody wants them to work for them. They don't want them on their property. They don't they don't want them. They're the unwantables. The untouchables. There's parables about at the second coming when Jesus is going to have the great banquet and the father says, fill up my house. And he looks and it's not full. And so he goes, well, go get the people at the highways and the byways. and the Go get the people that no one else wants. The people of the cast out the dregs of society. God's going go and get them and bring them into my house. See, that's the heart of God. and So here's God. These men, they're standing around at the 11th hour. I mean, they were at the 11th hour, the closing of the day. You know what hope they have on getting a job is? There's no hope. Who's going to hire them for one hour? There's no, there's no purpose. They're just It's just there. And he, he asked them. They said, no one will hire us. And he says, I will hire you. Go work in my vineyard. They don't even discuss the pay. But you have to wonder, was it not the same conversation he's had with all the others? I'll pay you a denarius a day. That's, that's, that's the purpose. That's the, the pay. You work for me, you get a denarius a day. So they go, of course, at the end of the day, now it's time to pay up. And those that were the first ones, they, they, they're, they're going to go last. The last will go first and the first will go last. So because they were the first ones to, to receive the call. They heard it first. Well they'll be last to get the reward. And so the ones that just got barely got in, by the they get to go first. And so they come up there and the owner gives them a denarius. And the next guy so the guys that got first they're thinking, Oh we're gonna be wealthy, we're gonna be wealthy. He's giving them a denarius, he's gonna give us ten because we worked ten hours longer. But it was a denarius because that's what they agreed upon. That was the payment for that. And they were then they become jealous, and greedy. And they say, why does he get what we got? Listen, it's it's like salvation. And I've seen this. This is people that have been in church for 20, 30 years, whatever, and they're they're sitting there, and all of a sudden, somebody new comes in and gets saved. The baby Christian gets filled with the Holy Spirit. God's doing something great in their life. And they're so excited and they're rejoicing. And then the older religious person's like, yeah, 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 I've been there, done that. Someday you'll settle down and be like me. Yeah, don't get so excited about that. Settle down and someday you'll be like me. See, that's the same heart. It's the same attitude as these guys that are like, they want more. See, they're saying settle down because their heart has going cold. They're not rejoicing that God has brought in another, like in the parable here, these guys should have rejoiced that God brought in more workers. So that means less work for them. There's more workers to expand the vineyard, to grow the vineyard. The more people working, the easier each one can carry each other's load. It's a good thing. Today, if companies expand like this, is supposed to be a good thing because they're growing. That means more for everybody. But instead, in the world's eyes, it's about the payment. It's not about the job. It's about the payment. Give me give me what I want. Give me what I think I deserve. We don't really care about the vineyard. We only care about what we're going to get out of it. Those are the kind of people that look for the vineyards. Now, in the secular, it's sort of acceptable. You go look for another job. There's no more loyalties to your jobs or companies. You go where they're going to pay you the most. But in the kingdom of God, he's offered you salvation. He's offered you the Holy Spirit. Satan is the one that comes along and goes, Yeah, but you need something more than salvation. Your blessing needs to be more than salvation. You need to be more than just the Holy Spirit in your life. There needs to be more. There needs to be some kind of blessing. You need to be blessed. Praise God. Yes, I'm picking on people because they, they, they want more. If God's not going to do something more for them, then they'll just go serve the next God who will. And see, Satan is like that. He wants to be, he wants to offer you what God offers plus more. The, the problem with that is that he can't offer you salvation. He lies to you about salvation plus more, plus more. And we follow him not because of salvation. We follow him because of the plus more, plus more, because we're greedy. We're greedy. And that is showing the heart. You see, in the end, Religious people that are saying that's not fair. And then here's God saying, are you envious or jealous because I'm generous? See, it's God's generosity that looks at the people at the very end and says, come into my family. You're a child of God. The same as this other man that's been here 30 years is a child of God. It's the same with the, 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 the um, prodigal son, the older brother gets mad because they're killing the fatty calf because he's come home and he's mad. And the father says, Why are you mad? You always had me. I'm always with you and everything I have is yours. And you're mad about it. I'm killing a fatted calf because your brother who was dead has come back to us. I mean, can't you see the miracle? He was gone and he's come back. It's a miracle. We should celebrate the miracle. But you've got everything. But you see that the religious lower ways thoughts are about why can't I have more? Instead of realizing what we already have. Which is what? It's purpose. God, it's not about the denarius, it's about the job. God is giving out jobs, he's giving you purpose. He's handing out destinies. Do you want a destiny? Do you want a destiny? You see, the next day, these same people get to work the garden together, the vineyard together. All day, and they all get the denarii. There's now purpose and meaning for life. And when it comes to purpose, God is more than fair. Now, I think a key verse to this, and we're going to talk more about this in a minute, is verse 16. So the last will be first and the first will be last, for many are called, but few chosen. And by the way, not all Bibles have that portion in there because they like not to. I know many people, they pick on the NIV because it's been known to drop verses out. I know many my reformed brothers, those Calvinists out there, they grop about it. I've noticed that one of their number one Bibles they're going to now is the ESV. And I had a friend using the ESV, and when we went over this verse, guess what? His doesn't have for as many many are called fewer chosen. It doesn't have that in there. And it's because the ESV, English Standard Version, the Christian Standard Version, the the, the NIV, they all they're all coming off the same Greek manuscripts and they don't they leave out verses they leave out parts so my Reform friends who dislike the niv for what it leaves out and they use the esv they're leaving out the exact same verses it's just they've got what they think is the more conservative niv um i, I just think it's funny, but it's important it's important for as many are called few have chosen see all those workers were called they were all called, but not all are chosen. And what I mean by chosen is that when those threw a fit, I mean, he said, well, you can take your denarii and leave. Are you, Is your heart evil because I'm being good? See, they didn't hear the calling. See, these people that waited for the 11th hour, they didn't get called until the 11th hour. But when they heard the calling... They took it, and therefore they're chosen. Let's look at our next scripture, verse I want to Look at It's Philippians. It's Philippians 1, verses 12 through 14, and then we're going to read 19 through 30. But Philippians one twelve and 14 says, "...but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ." And to most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident that by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Verse 19, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed But with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you, and being confident of this, I know I shall remain and continue with you, all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, and that one mind striving together for faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. Now I know that was a mouthful to read. I even got... Tongue tied a couple times in there. But it is an example of the higher ways of God in practical living, in reality that we see. Paul is in prison. He's in prison because he believes the gospel. He's in chains because of his preaching the gospel. And you see, the worldview prison is bad, it's pain, it's suffering. He's an innocent man. It's not right. It's not fair. It's not fair that Paul's in prison. There are people today that we look at and we go, it's not fair the justice system doesn't treat them right. It's not fair society is against them. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Where's God in this? But yet, from God's viewpoint, from the kingdom's viewpoint, this is beneficial for the gospel because it is creating boldness and destroying fear you see paul goes to prison and he says now the entire palace guard is evidence the evidence of what the gospel is now been made to the entire palace guard that paul's boldness now that they've done this to him what else can they do is this the worst they can do to him he's still preaching the gospel they're gonna throw him in prison for preaching the gospel. He's still preaching the gospel. It hasn't changed anything. It's only emboldened him to preach even more, and the world goes nuts over this. And because he's now bolder, it emboldens the believers. Because now you see this, and they go, "Well, he's not scared. He's not cowering. He's not begging. He's not. He's just even more himself." And it emboldens them. And Paul says, well, he'd rather just be with the Lord. He'd rather rather them kill him and he can go be with Jesus. But he goes, it's not to the benefit of the people for that to happen. So he, he continues on for them. So that they can find the joy and progress in their faith. But he's not afraid of death because he knows Jesus has defeated death. He knows what awaits him. And all Christians are the same way. Jesus has overcome death. What awaits us, the worst thing the world can give us in God's eyes, we just we, we enter into our reward. Payment day. We get to be with the Lord in heaven. There is no sting in that. Now, to an unbeliever there's lots of sting. But to a believer there shouldn't be zero sting. In death. And not only that, but he goes on to talk about how this terrifies our adversaries. It terrifies them because there's no way that they can put fear in us or on us if we embrace kingdom thinking. Notice that it even says in that scripture, and I detailed this on Sunday it says, is proof. It is a proof of perdition. This is verse 28. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition. See, the terror, the terror is proof of perdition. Now, perdition means you're lost. It means you're in a state of lostness. Proof of perdition. See, if you're fearful of death, if you cower back when these things come, it's proof of your lostness, especially to your adversaries. How can we preach the gospel to them is when they threaten us and we cower in fear and they go, You see, they're just as lost as everybody else. They're no different than any other person. Their religion's no different than anyone else. But when they do these things and all of a sudden You stand. Instead of screaming, that's not fair, you grab hold of the purpose of God. God has given me a purpose and I'm going to go work. I'm going to go work his vineyard. I'm not here about, you know, well, you haven't done it as long as the next person. You don't know as much as the next person, you know. We start talking about rewards that are getting paid more. See, see we we actually think Billy Graham's going to get paid more in heaven. Oh, Billy Graham's going to get such a reward. I'm never going to get a reward like Billy Graham. I hate to break it to you, but Billy Graham's reward is no bigger than any other Christian's reward. Because God is fair, it's called salvation. We get, our reward is Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Our works are like filthy rags to the Lord. Our reward is Jesus. Our inheritance is Him. Our rewards is what He has earned, not what we've earned. We've earned nothing. So therefore, I just I should grab a hold of the honor of having the purpose that God has what called He's called us. Do you want to be chosen? He's given out the call. Can you hear the call? Can you answer the call that makes you chosen? See, everyone can hear it, but not all of them receive it. The call is for everyone, but not everyone receives the call. You know, there was a commercial years ago that the Marines had out. And it was in recruiting. They're trying to recruit people. And you got the Army. They've be all you can be. And you got the Navy with theirs. And the Marines put out theirs. And their slogan was the few, the proud, the Marines. You see, anyone can go sign up, but only a few people can be chosen be a Marine. Now the fun thing about being chosen by the Marine is that the Marines aren't actually choosing you. You're the one that has to go down and sign up and you have to go through basic and you have to go through the training. And when you complete it, you're one of the chosen. It's sort of the same with God in the sense that he's done all the work. All you have to do is respond to that and not have the evil in your heart, like in the parable where it's like, it's about me and what I've done. Well, God, I've, I've worked all day. So it's like Cain going to God, but God, I gave you the work of my, my hands. Look, I gave you the, how can you like Abel's sacrifice more than mine? Look what I did. Again, that idea of look what I did. That's evil because it's about our own works and our works cannot purchase heaven. Our works cannot purchase any rewards from God. That's why I can say Billy Graham ain't going to have any bigger reward than anyone else because his works isn't what purchases anything. It's Jesus Christ that is everything and he is the ultimate prize. And that's what Paul gets, gets into with this. Now, I want to finish where we began. The last to be first and the first to be last. Our scripture, Isaiah 55, 6-9. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts." We can't outthink God. We can't outplan God. We can't. He is so far above us in all things. And I don't know how else to express the fact that he's just more intelligent. His thoughts are beyond anything we can begin to grasp a hold of. And there comes a point when we have to realize we can't figure out how this works. There is a part of God and His plan that we can never figure out because we are finite. We are limited. We don't have the capacity. Our hard drives, if you're a computer, your hard drive's not big enough. You don't have enough RAM. Your processor cannot handle it. God's ways are like that. He's just so far beyond us. That's why it takes faith. We're never going to equal Him. We're never going to... To do that. His ways are just above us. But what does he say? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek him while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. How do you know God's near? If you're thinking about him, he's just, he's near. If you're thinking about him, if you've never thought about the Lord, and you come across this stupid podcast that's not super high quality, And I'm not a great speaker. I'm not charismatic. I don't have a great radio voice. But you listen to me for 30 minutes now. And you don't know why. And you're thinking about God. It's because not of me. Not Dr. Kelly Blanton. It's not the famous words I can say. It's because the Lord has drawn near you. And he's touched your heart. And he's brought you to this point. This is the moment. That you can find him. If you call upon him. If you seek him. You are now the guy that's been sitting around without purpose. And the Lord has come up to you and said, I'll give you purpose. Come to my vineyard. Come be a part of my enterprise. Come be a part of my family. Come be one of my workers. Come into my kingdom. How do we do that? Let the wicked forsake his way. The unrighteous man his thoughts. Return to the Lord. Drop what we're doing and go for him. Don't worry about, well, what's what's the paycheck involved in this? Let me tell you what. It's greater to be a worker in his vineyard. It's not about how much he's going to pay me. It's about being a worker in that vineyard. You want to be in God's kingdom. You want to be a member of God's family. You want the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. You want him. You want everything he has to offer. And it was he will have mercy. He will abundantly pardon. See, he can pardon our past. It doesn't matter about those things. He can take care of all of it. Well, how can he do that? He can do that because his ways are higher than other ways. How can he pay for my sin? Listen, you don't even have to understand how. You don't you don't have to understand all the deep theology and all the contextual stuff over the cross and the blood you don't have to comprehend any of that all you have to do is know that he paid your price and he offers you forgiveness he offers you a place in his kingdom he offers you this thing his ways are higher he offers us a purpose and a destiny let's pray father I thank you God that you offer us A destiny, God. You offer us something far bigger than us, God. You offer us forgiveness. Father, I pray that you would break off a spirit of religion, God, of religious thinking, God. Things that make us cry out, that's not fair, God. Father, I pray that you break that off, God, and we begin to see through your lens, God. No. Nothing is fair in the world because the world is broken and is full of sin, God. But everything you do is higher than us, God, and it's perfect. It is always perfect. And when we look at you and we think of something not fair, God, it's because we have worldly thinking. Father, free us from the way the world thinks. Free us, God, from being enslaved to that sort of captivity and help us to see, God. It's not about the denarius. It's about the purpose. It's about who we're with. Lord, we want to be with you, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for this. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for destiny in Jesus' name. Amen. You can listen to more of our teachings at our website, www.christianimpact.net. Check out our teachings. Check out our ministry. Feel free to contact us. Drop us a line sometime. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, God bless.